Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Maxwell Mba is a leadership, strategy, culture, and organizational transformation consultant who is devoted to helping people improve their personal, business, and organizational performance through training, coaching, and consulting. Dr. Maxwell holds the prestigious Sloan Fellowship in Leadership and Strategy from the London Business School. He is a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Management Consultants, USA and Canada and a fellow of the International Management Consultants Board. He is also a graduate of medicine and surgery from the College of Medicine, University of Lagos. He has designed and delivered training and coaching interventions to thousands of people and executives in numerous global organizations. He is also the author of three books on leadership and strategy. Gentlemen, please welcome to Mandate Men's Conference 2023 Dr. Maxwell Uba. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be here this morning. I want to say thank you to Pastor Agu for this honor, this opportunity. It takes great humility for you to give your pulpit out, and I want to say thank you. And he's also a very spiritual man, because when I was preparing for the mandate conference and I was packing my clothes, I felt in my spirit I was going to preach on Sunday. And I said to myself, but the, the contract, in quote, was just Saturday. So I said, let me pack the two suits that if this, what I feel is not of God, it's fine. At least, no, I didn't tell anybody. But if it's of God, then I know exactly. So I, as soon as I finished the first session, he said to me that I'm going to preach on Sunday. And I said, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for this. This, this man is walking in the spirit. Walking in the street. Can you can you project the slides? Can you project the slides? Okay, there. Thank you. So, yesterday he asked me to speak on success. That if somebody comes to you, a young man, a business person, a married person comes to you and wants to find out what exactly is success from a biblical standpoint, how would you first define success, and what are the four, five, six, or seven principles you will leave with the person? to succeed. And that's what I'll be teaching this morning, principles of success. My text is taken from the book of Joshua and chapter 1, verse 8. It says, the book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Can we bow our heads and pray? Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. Thank you for light. Thank you for understanding. For which is the fountain of light, life, and in your light we shall see light this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I, I think we can agree that God wants us to succeed. Joshua 1 8 makes that clear. And, and 3 John 2 says that we shall above all things that you all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. 
in Psalm 35, verse 27, says, Let them rejoice and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So there's looking saying that God wants us to prosper or to succeed. But what exactly is success? So you see in Joshua 1 8, there's good success. If there's good success, it means there will be what? Bad success. So how do we define success? I want to use a framework, and the framework is process multiplied by purpose. When I explain the framework, then I'll give you the definition of what success is. Every time you want to look at what success is, you need to consider these two frameworks. The process, the process is how the success was achieved. That's the process. How was this success achieved? I tell people that when somebody says, this is the doing of the Lord, the question you need to ask is, how did the Lord do it? Because sometimes we confuse Ishmael for Isaac. So in Genesis 16, Abraham went into Hagar and gave back to Ishmael and did have a party. But that was an Ishmael. And some, some of the things we call testimonies are Ishmael's masquerading as Isaac. The process. What's the process? We see that for Nadab and Abihu, they offered strange fire in Leviticus 10, uh, strange um, incense. And the fire of God came. We also see that in the case of um, Saul, when God said to Saul, go and destroy the Amalekite. And Saul came back saying he had done that. But Samuel said to him, you did not obey God. Same thing with, um, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, that many will say on that day that we, we preached, we prophesied, we did this, we did many great miracles. And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. So the question is not what you have achieved. The question is how you achieved it. And if that in the how, it doesn't align with the plan and the purpose of God, it doesn't matter what you achieve, achieved, you are not a success in God's sight. Because you can actually achieve things. So somebody, if you go out, for example, and maybe you do some kickbacks and you get the contract, you can come and say, hey, praise the Lord, I got the job. But that's an Ishmael masquerading as an Isaac because in that process, it's not in alignment with the word of God. Joshua 1 says this is book of the law. So the starting point of good success is that it must align with the will and the word of God. The second thing here is the purpose. The purpose is to what end? Who will be glorified as a result of that success? If God is not glorified, then that is not good success in my opinion. If God is not glorified, so we see in Genesis 11 from verse 4, the Bible says that when the world had one language, they wanted to build a tower that would get up to heaven. And their goal is that they wanted to make a name for themselves. The goal is to make a name for themselves. So the purpose is we want to make a name for ourselves. That's the end result of success. The story of the rich fool, the Bible did not tell us whether the process was wrong, but the Bible clearly told us that the purpose was wrong. He had wealth, and he says, so take thy ease. I have, you have enough for, to last you a lifetime. And scripture says God came to him that night and says you're a fool. And he says that is how every man who is not rich towards God if God is not involved in the testimony, then it is not success. And there are so many people today who, they've acquired wealth, but there's no God in, in the purpose, in the purpose of that wealth. That is not good success. One example I want to show you is from the book of Daniel 4, us from verse 29 to verses 29 and 30. So at the end of 12 months, this Nebuchadnezzar, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. He said the king spoke saying, is this not... It's not this great Babylon that I have built 
for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. So you can see that for Nebuchadnezzar, he was the center of the universe. I built this, I, I did this, and it is for me. If God is not glorified, it doesn't matter what you have built. You can build a multi-billion dollar business. But Nebuchadnezzar was the emperor over the whole world. But God was not glorified. So it is not the size of your bank account or how big your business is. The question is, is God glorified through that business, through that marriage, through um, your getting coming out with first class? Is God glorified? And Romans 11.36 ties everything together. It says, for of him, for of him is about the source. And through him is about the process. And to him is about the purpose are all things. If it is not of him, if it is not through him, and if it is not to him, it doesn't matter what you've achieved. Am I communicating? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, and that says to whom be glory forever. So having established that, I want to now define, so what is success? Now we have given you the process and the purpose. What is success? Paul would help us. There are four definitions I want to bring from these two verses. It says, I am ready, Second uh, Timothy 4, 6-7, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I have fought the good fight. Pastor was talking about fight this morning. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Four things I want to say here about success. Number one is that success is fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. Paul says, I have finished the race. I don't know what the race is. Scripture says that there's a race set before us. And when we're praying, he says, let us lay aside every weakness, every sin, the besetting sin that we might run the race that is set before you. There's a race set before you. And success is about finishing the race that is set before you. It's about completion. It's about getting to that end. And you know that this assignment that God has given to me, I fulfilled it. David, scripture says that David served what? God's purpose for his generation. So David finished. The second thing here about success is that he's dying empty. He said, I'm already being poured forth like a libation. Success is expressing every gift, every talent that God has given to you. That's what success is. It's making sure that when you get to the last day of your existence on earth, you can look back and say, I expressed every gift, every talent. The book I was supposed to write, I wrote. The song I was supposed to sing, I sang. The businesses I was supposed to start. The people I was supposed to bless, I expressed everything. Success is dying empty. Number three here is that success is reaching your end with no regrets. He said, I fought the good fight. So Paul looked back at his life and I said, I I fought the good fight. And I like the quote by John Wooden. He said that success is peace of mind, which is the direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best you are capable of becoming. That peace of mind that comes that I fought a good fight. And for me, one of the best definitions I like is that success is knowing that you did not lose your values, your honor, your dignity, your self-worth in the pursuit of your victories. He said, I kept the faith. So in the pursuit of success, it's not success at all costs. 
I kept the faith. Uh, it's, it's, not, uh, this, it's not every contract I will pursue. I kept the faith. So I, I didn't lose my values in the pursuit of my victories. I kept the faith. It's not, I, I won't get married at all costs. I kept the faith. In the process of getting married, I kept the faith. And that's what Paul is saying here. Success. So you can use any definition, becoming the best that you can be, um, keeping the faith, ensuring that you fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. Now that we know what success is, I want to show you from this, okay, why people fail before I now continue. I think this process and purpose will tell us why people fail. In terms of process, one, they ignore the process. Number two, they fail to give God the glory. I think for the church, the problem is not about giving God the glory. We give God glory. I think the problem I see in the body of Christ is that we ignore the process. In Ecclesiastes 10, 15, it says the labor of the foolish wearies every one of them because he doesn't know how to go into the city. There's a how to go into the city. There's a how to a successful marriage. There's a how to having a first class. There's a how to building a multi-billion dollar business. There's a how. And the labor of the foolish. Pastor talked about intelligence this morning. It is not labor first. It is intelligence first before labor. You, you get intelligence, then you labor. Because if you, if you labor in the wrong direction, you're just wasting energy. The, the labor of the foolish, because it doesn't know how to get into the city. I like Proverbs 19 and verse 3 from the New Living Translation. It said, people would ruin their own lives by their own foolishness and then be angry at God. God, why did my life turn out like this? Not me. It's your foolishness. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then they turn back and they blame God. And we see the people in Romans chapter 10 that Paul says, my people, are have, they have a zeal for God, but not according to what? knowledge. There's a how. There's, that how includes principles. In the church today, we want to outsource the concept of principles, and we think that sometimes we can do some other things, and principles will, principles will be suspended because of us. Only very, in very rare situations, when God has an eternal plan to accomplish, will this suspend principles. Let me say this to you. I, I believe in miracle. Don't get me wrong. I believe in miracle. But you need to understand that man, the first miracle was the miracle of a process. First miracle was the miracle of a process. So when God created man in Genesis chapter 1, and says, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. Dominion was the destination, the end goal of man. In verse 28, the Bible says, and God blessed man and says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have what? Dominion. So dominion is what? A process. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The first, the first law that God establishes is the law of process. Now, what you call supernatural intervention is when a process is broken and God enters into the affairs of humanity to align you back to that original process. So somebody is sick, a process is broken. You pray for the person, he gets healed. What God is doing is bringing you back to that original process. Because once you get healed, you must continue with the process of health. Am I communicating? Once you get healed, you must continue with the process. So miracles will not just break process. Miracles will restore it. So, okay, you have made a mistake. There's mercy. God steps in. He brings you back so that you continue with process. So Jesus, the salvation of humanity was a miracle, and he placed Jesus in the womb of Mary, a miracle. But as soon as he placed Jesus in the womb of Mary, a process had to take place. Nine months. Not even Jesus could break that process. 
Not even Jesus. I see the church today praying to break a process. Not even Jesus. Nine months had to happen. There's a process. And I, I said to people, the process is as spiritual. You know, sometimes, Frank, let, let's take a, a, an example. Every day you go home, you drive, you come back, you drive, you come back, nothing happens. You think that a miracle is not taking place. It is. It, it's the day maybe you had an accident and you came out alive. You say, praise the Lord, that's a miracle. But there's a miracle of process that has been happening every day that you're not paying what? Attention to. It's a process. Success follows what? A process. No, the prayer for miracle happens when you broken prayer process, you ask for mercy. But mercy will bring you back to that process. Mercy will bring you back to that process. Praise the Lord. So let's take a student who did not read first semester and pray the miracle happens. I said because it happened the first semester, it will happen. It will happen. If God did it in first semester, He will do it second semester. And you don't read second semester, you year two. Before you know it, I can I can predict what will happen. Because you are trying to break what a process. And what God established for man. Look at the children of Israel in the wilderness. Because they could not feed or get food, man arranged every day. But the Bible says that as soon as they entered the land of Canaan, got to the boundary, man what? Seized. Why did God rain manna for 40 years? Because they could not in the wilderness. But as soon as they stepped their legs in, manna seized. Now, they are, they are the ones that will go out and create their own harvest, their own miracles. So, for the church, I think the problem is we ignore process. Because sometimes process doesn't sound spiritual. It, it, it sounds mundane. It sounds seed time and harvest is a process. And sowing and reaping is a process. It sounds mundane. So, we want the, we want the spectacular. I want to show you seven process or principles, and I wrote this in my book, The Difference, What Success People Know and Do That Other People Do Not. In that book, I have ten, but I'll just summarize seven. And I'll just touch on the seven. And this is from the parable of the talent. It's an amazing parable. Everything you want to think about success, success can be preached in different ways. We could use David versus Goliath to talk about success. We could use Joseph to talk about success. There are different examples, but I think in one parable, almost all the principles that you want to cover are in this parable. So let's read. The kingdom of heaven, this is how the kingdom of heaven is like. Parables are supernatural keys that opens the doors to bigger things. It said the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far, con- excuse me, a far country. Who called his own servants and did what? Delivered what? His goods to them. To one he gave how many talents? Five. To the second, how many? To preach with me. And to the, the last one, how many did he give? One. And he says, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. I want to show you something about this parable. And this is what I call a painful reality. Notice that they had the same servant. Notice that they were in the same environment. Notice, thank you. Thank you. Notice that they had the same servant in the same environment. They had the same time period. Nobody had a head start. Notice also that in terms of quality, 
the talent was the same. In terms of quantity, it might be different. So I say to people that we can all have a quality life. We might not have the same quantity. So you, somebody can have five cars. Somebody can pass to a church of 10,000. Another person can pass to 1,500. But in terms of quality, it's, it's the same. In quantity, it might be different. So everything was the same, but the outcomes of the three servants were different. Now, if everything was the same, same God, same environment, same time period, why did two succeed and one fail? Did you get that? And this, the first principle here might be a shocking principle, but the first principle says that you are the person that determines your success. Sometimes we say it's in the hands of God. But in this case, it's not in the hands of what? God. Because God has given them what? Talk back to me. God has given them what? Talents. So as they were about to enter the land of Canaan, Moses, Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death. I've set before you blessing and cursing. So Canaan can be a land of blessing or a land of curse. It says, therefore, choose life. So it's the choices that you make that determines your experiences in Canaan. So when the Bible says there will never be somebody poor in Canaan, it's simply because that person did not make what? The right choice. If the Bible says there will never be anybody poor in Canaan, why must it be you? You understand? Why must it be you? Somebody must fail an exam, yes, but it doesn't have to be me. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. I don't have a problem, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be me. So he said, I call heaven and earth to do what? Record this day. And if you see Joshua 1.8, it says, this book of the Lord shall not depart of your, out of your mouth, that you should meditate day and night. In that sense, so then you, you will make your way prosperous. You, you will have. It is you that makes your way, not God. God gives you the Bible, the principles. You take the principles. He said, you will make your way. So Joshua, it is not me. Any religion that seeds everything into the hands of God is false theology. Any religion that seeds everything into what? It's in God's hands. It's the number of children you have. Is it determined by God? Eh? As married men, you, the economy will tell you that eh, even if you want, our grandfathers had nine, had 16, had 20. But the economic situation today, now if you, even if you say five, some people will look at you and say, ah, okay, Five. You, you plan it. It's in your hands. You determine. It was God gave them talent. What they did with the talent was not determined by God. It was determined by the individuals. Let me show you one of my favorite verses in scripture. It's James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation. Another translation says that God is a constant. So God doesn't change like shifting shadows. And I remember that I preached this one day in church. If God is a constant K, why are our experiences different? With whom there is no variation. So God cannot be good to you and be bad to me. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Comes down. Comes down. I tell people here that, you see, if God, I wrote it there, that God determines what is released, you determine what is received. What is released is God. What is received is yours. So what you are not receiving it's not a function of, in quote, of God. It's a function of you. 
It's that, and that's every good and perfect gift is from above. It's coming down. The question is, are you receiving it? So point number one in success is that it's in your hands. So one, one story I read in one book says a young guy went to a village and found out that in that village they said there's this wide old sage that has the answer to every question that you can ask. And the guy felt that, how can a man have the answer to every question? I'm sure this guy, this man is a, is a fraud. He's deceiving you. So the guy went to the, um, to the uh, forest with a sling in his hand, a sling, a catapult. And with that sling and a stone, he caught a bird. And the bird was almost dead. So he had the bird in his hands. I said, take me to the wise old man. I want to show you people that this white old man is deceiving you guys. And he had the bird in his hand. And he asked the old man, old man, I, have, I hear that you can answer any question that you are asked. And the old man says, what's your question? And he said, old man, I have a bird in my hand. Is this bird dead or alive? And his intention was simple. If the old man says dead, he will bring out the bird and show the old man that the bird is alive. And if the old man says alive, he will squeeze the neck of the bird and will show the old man the bird that the bird is dead. And the old man looked at him and saw through his intentions and said to him, young man, it's in your hands to make dead or alive. So whether, whether the bird dies or the bird what? succeed. It's what? It's in your hands. Same thing. Your marriage is in your hands to make dead or alive. Your academics is in your hands to make dead or alive. When I became a Christian, my daddy, I, I went through persecution in the early 80s. Persecution because my daddy, those in, the, in Nigeria those days, they were SU, you no know, scriptural union and the rest, were going for vigils and at age 12, 13, we carried God on our head, vigils, and we were going, and my daddy was, I remember the, the beatings I got, and my daddy said something, and said that, see, let me tell you, uh, part of the reason why I don't want you to be a Christian, because Christians are riffraff, I don't know what it means, but you know what, riffraff, people that are non-entities, and I said to myself, God, when they come, in terms of my academics, so I, will not, I will not come last. I'm not very intelligent, but I did my first GC when I was 13. I represented Lagos State in a national quiz. In my second MB in College of Medicine, University of Lagos, I was the best student in College of Medicine. Because I said to myself that when it comes to certain things, God, I don't know about other things, but when it comes to my academics, I will be the head, that's your scripture, and not what? Not, if, I, if I am not the head, it's because I chose not to be. I chose. Why I was coming out with good grades, I have Christian brothers and sisters that were struggling. We serve the same God, but we make different what? De- choices, decisions, and determination. For time's sake, I need to rush through the other principle. Principle number two is your core beliefs. Now, why is this important? If one is determined by you, the next thing that opens the door is the belief that you have. So success doesn't begin externally. It begins internally. David looked at Goliath and said, what will be done to the man that kills this Philistine? So to David, Goliath was already dead before he entered the battle. And you see this story in, in Matthew chapter 25, when the man who was given one came back to give his testimony. Why did you, why did you bring one talent back? He said, I, said, I know you are a hard man. How? A man that gave gifts out, how can you be a hard man? And so sometimes the beliefs we have about life shapes our behaviors and the things we do in life. The belief, I know you're a hard man, so he had a wrong belief. So in the bed of, in the bed of failure, you have wrong beliefs, you have people who give excuses, and you have people who discount other people's success. So you hear that, ah, this sister has bought a new car. The first thing you want to do is to discount it. 
No, why not learn? How did, she, how did she do it so I can learn from it? So you find that, forget it, not all of us will succeed. You, you begin to discount yourself. And that was what the children of Israel did when they said we saw ourselves like grasshoppers. They discounted their opportunities and their abilities to succeed. For time's sake, the, there are three foundational core beliefs that you need to have for success in life. It's the belief about God, it's the belief about life, and it's the belief about self. Let me talk about God and self because they are, once you believe God and self, life will take care of itself. In the belief about God, there are two beliefs that are important for success in Matthew chapter 25. The first belief is that he delivered his goods to them and the second is to each according to what? His own ability. Are you following me? I'm, I'm, I, I need to rush for time. The, the two beliefs I said here is number one, you need to believe that God is good. He delivered his goods to them. Number two, you need to believe that God is fair to each according to what? So guess what? God did not give one five because he liked that one. Did you see that? He gave that one five because what? Because he had the capacity. Your capacity determines what you receive. So he gave one five. He gave one two. He gave one one. To each according. I like that word. That means that God is a fair God. You need to believe in the law of justice. He's a God of faithfulness without Injustice, good and upright is he. Isaiah 9 says God will, Jesus will order the kingdom with judgment and justice. So he didn't give five because he liked you better. The Bible says that God has no favorites. God is not a God of partiality. Acts 10, 34 says God has no respect for any man. God respects his principles. And those who align with his principles receive, they attract the favor of God to each According to it. So if I want to move from one to two, what do I do? I need to increase my what? My capacity to each according to his ability. You need to believe these two things. That God is a good God. And if you believe this also, you need to believe that life is good. And ultimately, life is fair. But what I mean by life is fair means that life will operate under certain principles. And if I operate under those principles, it will work in my what? In my favor. Ultimately, life is fair. Then you come to yourself, you need to believe that you can make it. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't sell yourself short. You understand? Don't, sell, don't write off yourself. Don't write off your opportunities. Now, I, I need to rush. This is not usually when we take this, we take this for like a whole day. Let's, for time's sake, let me give you the other four. I'll just list them. Um, Matthew 25. Look at the, in verse 16. It says, the, the new King James used the word went. Then went. But I like the way the NIV put the went. The NIV qualified it so that we will not be confused about when he left. So immediately the master gave them the talent. NIV says what? Went what? Preach with me, church. Went what? At once. So there was no delay. So in principle three... It's a, you can, so many things you can call it. It's a sense of urgency. It's about time management. It's about seizing the moment. It's about the concept of diligence or the principle of initiative. Went at once. And I actually look at Caleb in Numbers 1330. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up what? At once. At once. At once. At once to possess. Let us go up at once. We are talking too much. Faith is action. Let us go up at once. There's no delay. So I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? 
What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What, what, what exactly are you waiting for to start? There's so many things that you have that you've not started. You need to learn principle number three. And I, I leave you with this quote in principle three so I can go to four. This is from a movie called Finding Forrester. I saw this like in the 1990s. And for me, it has become one movie, one quote that I like. Say, so if we wait too long. He said, we risk learning that life is not a game that is won or lost. A game that is won or lost is a game that you enter in. He says it's a game that too often simply isn't played. You have that business idea, you wait. And before you know it, after 20, 30 years, that idea, you, you won't start it. You have that idea for a song, you don't write it. He says if you wait too long, you, you learn that for a lot of people, it's a game that too often simply isn't played. They didn't enter into life. They didn't even do the things that they were supposed to do. They buried their talent, their gift, their, their anointing. They buried it. And you know what Jesus said to that man? He called that man that buried his talent wicked and lazy. Now, the word lazy, we can understand it. The word wicked is to intentionally hurt or harm somebody. That's what wickedness is. And so for every talent that God gives you that you fail to express, you are depriving somebody of a divine benefit. And that's wickedness. For every talent. God did not give you that talent for what? Yourself. Somebody needs the talent. Am I communicating? Church, am I communicating? Okay, point number four for time's sake. I I want to use the word traded. So in that word, traded, means that success follows the law of exchange. The law of exchange. You give something. The law, you must have something to give to your world. It's the reason why you cannot beg your way to prosperity. Because begging is a function of the mood of the giver. But in this case, it was, they went and traded. They gave something in exchange, something of value. We can spend so much time talking about value, but I, I just want to talk about one aspect of value, which is the aspect of value capture. So you can value, you create the value, you capture the value, and you manage it. Value capture. See the, see the scripture. It's an amazing scripture. So there was in a little city, a few men in it, a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now, notice verse 15. It says, now there was found in that same city what a what? A poor wise man. And, and each one of us sometimes we're here. We know we have knowledge, we have grace, but our experience doesn't confirm what we have. Then an opportunity came. Pastor prayed, recognizing the opportunity. An opportunity came. And the Bible says, the wise man by his wisdom delivered the city. And I ended by saying, yet no man remembered that same. They didn't use wise the second time. Did you see that? The first time it was called what? Poor and wise. The second time, wisdom was not mentioned. Because there's something about value in capturing value is that you must extract value from the value you created. So wisdom in this context is knowing how to extract value from your ideas. Notice the man that God gave five gained five more. That word gain means he extracted what? Preach with me now. He he extracted value. He gained five. David, before David entered the battle, what did he ask? He said, what will be given to the man? David was trying to do what? Extract. You need to separate philanthropy from entrepreneurship. In philanthropy, you give it for free. In entrepreneurship, you extract what? 
value. And Jesus even said to that servant, you could have put it in the bank so that I can extract what? Value. Somebody, God is speaking to you. The reason why you are where you are is not because you don't have the talent, it's because you are foolish. You're, you're foolish. You have wisdom, but you are giving it for what? For free to your organization. In the church, you can do it for free because as your own contribution to God. But in the world, don't do it. Don't. You need to extract value. Okay, so that's my time. Number six, I like the word so also. Number one, what's number we now? Number five, I have two more, so I'll finish with within the five minutes. You see, notice verse 16. It says, the man that has received five went and traded with them and made another five. And it says, I like so also. That is NIV, King James calls it likewise. I like the word so also. You know what so also means? It means that the man who had five and was succeeding with five did not stop the man who had two to succeed. That's what so also means. It means that as one person is succeeding, there's what? Room, opportunity, avenue for another. That's the word so also. So if you take music, there are people that are succeeding in one space. Another so also is somebody else succeeding. So also is another person succeeding. So also, we can mention different names. So also. So your success should not intimidate me. Because so also says that the world is big enough for each one of us to what? To shine and to succeed. So also. That's so also. So in this point is the concept of an opportunity mindset. And pastor prayed, opportunities are banned. The field is only crowded for people that cannot think creatively. That's what. So also. So also tells me that principles work. So the man who succeeded with five applied certain principles. It means that, can I ask you, if the man that had one had applied the same principle, would he have gotten one more? He would have, so also would have worked for him. Because principles are not a respect of persons. So also, this person succeeded with five. So also, once you follow the same principle, Paul says that whatever you've seen of me, heard of me, you understand. He said, that do, and the God of peace will be with you. Why? Because there are principles. You understand? The same God is rich unto all that call upon him, for there is no difference. So also. So don't be intimidated by the success story of others because so also says that your gift needs an expression. There's somebody somewhere else that can validate your gift. You need to think creatively. You need to strategize. Know the direction that you're going. Okay, for time's sake, number, number, number 19. Look at this. Let me show that's point six. It says, after a long time, and this is the concept, it said the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. This is a principle of accountability. The Lord came and settled accounts. This is a principle. Notice the Lord gave them talent. Now they need to give account. That's what accountability is. Accountability is a compound word, account and ability. For every ability that God gives you, you must give account. Now, I noticed something in that verse. It said, after a long time. So they had enough time enough time. You know, sometimes when we complain that time is not enough, it's either we are dissipating our energies in the things that are not important. Because it's in that same 24 hours that people are accomplishing greatness. After a long time, you have enough time in quotes, when I put in quotes, to fulfill destiny if you apply the energy right. Accountability says you must give account. Accountability says you must answer. That's why the scripture says we will all stand before God to do what? 
give account. If you work for an organization, your accountability is your appraisal period. Now they've given you talent, it might be six months. You can play with your six months, but on that day you will give account. And the question here is what account would you give? Would you be, give an account that will say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or would you give an account that they will say, take him out and cast him to the outer darkness? The people they sack, the people they demote, the people they downsize are the people who do not understand the concept of a life will always demand an answer. Not now. You might think you are getting away with it. It's just a matter of time. It's called the, action, the law of action and reaction. It's called the law of seed time and harvest. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. It's called the law of cause and effect. Life will always come back to you to give an account. The question is when life comes back for you to give an account, would you be ready? What kind of account would you give? Because we all give an account. But what kind of account would you give? Final point for time's sake is, is in verse 19 and 21. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice something here. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. He says, I will make you what? Ruler over many things. I want you to see something here. So when the Lord gave them five to one, it means that the master had more to give them. But he said, let me what? Let me try you with this five. I want to say to you that all of life is a test. All of life. Right now, where you are is small. I understand that. I have a minute more. Where you, where you are is small. It's your five. It looks so small. But that is not destiny. That's a pathway to destiny. And if you mismanage the five, you won't enter into many things. So God brought Joseph. That's the last example I want to give. Joseph had a dream of the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowing before him. And God says, I need to take you through a process because you are talking so much about your dreams. You don't, you, don't, you don't accomplish greatness just by talking about your dreams. You need to learn the process of greatness. So God brought him into Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, what did Joseph learn? How to manage resources. And God says, okay, you've learned that. You passed the test. You need to pass the second test. Go to the prison. In prison, what did Joseph learn? How to interpret dreams. And when he stood before Pharaoh, it was those two things that made him prime minister. He interpreted the dreams. He told Pharaoh how to manage resources. And Pharaoh made him prime minister. Imagine if Joseph had despised the lessons in Potiphar's house. He would never have become prime minister. Where you are might be your Potiphar's house. It's a pathway. It's small. There are many things in your future. But he that is faithful in least will be faithful in much. If you don't demonstrate excellence now, you won't get to the next phase. Thank you. Thank you.